This is Ever Present, an Eden Project podcast, equipping you to connect deeply with God, yourself, and others. Welcome to the Ever Present podcast. My name is Duke Rivard. I'm excited to be here with Phil Herndon and Todd Wormers for another episode. Uh, they're all from Tin Man Ministries, and honestly, some of the best I know at helping us identify where we're at emotionally so that we can show up and be fully present in all of our relationships. Uh, over the next eight episodes, we're going to take eight of the core emotions, one at a time, and we're going to talk about what it's like to feel that emotion, mm. uh, what the gift of that emotion is, if we'll really feel it and walk into relationship with it, uh, may- maybe what happens when we won't face it, some of the breakdown, and just what it's like for a family or community to live in a healthy way around around that emotion. So just really looking forward to jumping in with you guys and getting after that. Uh, as we get started, uh, maybe, uh, Phil, maybe you could speak to why why are we going to spend time on the eight core some people have seen the feelings wheel mm-hmm. with a lot more emotions. Uh, maybe why start with with just eight? Yeah, you know the the subject of feelings. Period can be over. Literally, the word can be overwhelming for people. They go, "Oh, feelings," and you know. And I don't say that to make fun. Like this is really true. It was true for me many years ago, and so it can be overwhelming to have all this word salad kind of pouring out at you from a wheel or a list and. Um, this is a whittled down list of what really would you use the word core emotions, Duke, because let's take a word like upset. Like I can be upset with you because I'm angry with you. I can be upset because you left and now I'm sad you're gone, lonely for you. I can be upset because I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. So those words, t- they tend think about these eight words as the river. And then there's a lot of tributaries that contribute to this river, these eight core feelings. So it's been, we found that to be a really simple and very accurate way of describing the human condition emotionally without a whole lot of words coming at you at once. Okay. Yeah, that's really helpful. Yeah, and so we're just going to go through anger, we're going to look at hurt, look at lonely, sad, fear, shame, guilt, and glad. Mm-hmm. So those are the, that's where we're going uh, the next couple episodes. And uh, for this one, though, let's talk about anger. Um, Todd, what are we experiencing when we experience anger? How would you define it? Well, again, it's what... Phil had said earlier, you know, there's the impairments and the gifts. And so when so many people get so confused with anger because, you know, historically, contextually for us, we hear anger, we think of rage, we think of just people going crazy um, or just anger shutting down and uh, being silently angry and like making someone pay through silence. And that there's, so I think when we think of, when we define anger for us, it's, an expression God's given to us to show us and to show others what what matters to us. And so what is it in me that God's placed in me that has to drive me to go after something? And so um, I think with, in this podcast, we'll really we'll explore that feeling of, hey, what has God made you to do internally so you can have the passion, the desire, the fuel to go do uh, whatever it is God's put inside of you? Uh, Todd, you mentioned the word passion. Uh, it sounds like the thing that anger might be that emotion that gets me off the couch to go do something in the world, maybe step into a vocation, um, maybe go after a justice issue. Is that kind of how you're seeing it operate right. when it's healthy? That's right. It's a movement towards something. Yes, for sure. Okay. Yeah, that's that's really helpful. As a part of your, your definition, Todd, you mentioned rage. Um, I know that's it's hard sometimes for us when we're getting around emotions to understand the difference between anger and rage. How do you how do you help us think about 
the ways those are those are actually different emotions. Uh, so healthy anger would be a, a desire, passion, a drive towards something. And uh, you said earlier, you know, uh, rage is deconstruction, and I believe anger is for construction, like moving me towards something. Okay, that would be the difference. Okay, so rage is is not helpful, is dangerous, mm-hmm. is damaging. Right. Anger can be very positive, can be building something with someone else or for the world. That's right. Okay, yeah. So that feels different. I mean, I've been around people who are silently raging, and it just feels scary when you're in their presence. I mean, those are for me the silent, the silent ones are the scariest ones for sure, for sure. Okay, but if someone's angry, it feels more like creative, mm-hmm. like they're here to help. They're they're they really want to do good in the world. They want good in the relationship. They're they're just passionate about right. getting it right. That's right. Okay, yeah, that's really helpful. Um, yeah, Phil, maybe we could talk about what happens when someone is angry, but they won't deal honestly with it. Maybe they're not aware of what's going on in their chest, or they've never been taught how to process it. What, what is, what's the drawback for not feeling this feeling? It, it really coattails beautifully how Todd kind of framed up anger. You know, I've, I've phrased it before that anger reveals that I care and what I care about. And so if I don't have that movement, he talked about that constructive movement toward change or movement toward desire – I will depress that caring in me, which mm-hmm. is called depression. Mm-hmm. And so depressed people who are depressed, uh, their, their care is broken. It's depressed. And so we think about movement and clarity having to do with anger and anger having being that revealing of the fact that I do care and what I care about. Depression is the opposite. Depression is I will not care. Because when we feel angry and we're moving with clarity towards something in our anger and passion, then it's going to be painful. Mm. It's painful to care. It's painful to move. It's painful to be clear. It's vulnerable and painful. And depression says you don't have to have any of that. You can just literally go to sleep or figuratively go to sleep and depress all that care and all that pain and be out from under it. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. As I've heard this definition for you guys, and it's, I've started paying way more attention to the questions around what does that person want that they've not been able to express. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you'll see it with, let's say, a, a mother who's just had a child and had to walk away from a career, had to walk away from some passion that they were mm-hmm. doing in the world. Mm-hmm. That's somehow been taken away. And now, not that raising a child isn't a beautiful thing, it is, but they've lost access to some of that passion, some of that calling, that vocation, mm-hmm. and it's been compressed, mm-hmm. and now, now we're depressed. So that's really, that's really helpful as a definition. Um, I think one of the things, too, and it can be really my fear for the audience would be what uh, Phil said would go unnoticed. Uh, anger is the most exposing and vulnerable of all the eight feelings. It's the thing that, because it's in me, God's placed it in me, and it's like, oh, man, I, if I go do this, I could fail at this. And so a lot of times people will have the anger, but they get to that place of depression. Either someone won't uh, invoke that in them, pull it out of them, or they've historically been told you can't achieve that. And so the exposure of anger um, is so important. So I I don't know if you would want to share more about that, Phil, but that when he he said that, I was like, man, the audience really needs to, we need to hone in on that for just a moment. Yeah, that's so helpful. I remember my wife and I, we were feeling called to go plant a church in Portland, Oregon. We were young. And I remember how vulnerable it was to say that out loud to some of the first people. It felt ridiculous. It felt like we could totally fail. This thing that we're going to go do is very, very difficult. Um, if we start going public with it, 
we just like we're putting ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of feel obligated to follow through on it. We feel obligated that people are be watching. There's almost an audience gathering and they're going to be like, "Hey, you think they're going to make it or not? You think this thing's going to go anywhere?" Um, and so yeah, it is very vulnerable to say, "Hey, here's this passion that's growing inside of me. This thing I want to go do in the world. Um, I could totally fail." And and I'm hearing you say maybe they're depressed in some cases it's the 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 fear of failure or the fear of rejection if I were if I were not successful is that kind of what you're getting at mm-hmm. in terms of the vulnerability of just saying I really want something mm-hmm. to happen in the world and I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it or not go for it but it's in there that's right yeah these these feelings you know they parlay off of one another so they have some anger then you have fear and depression have shame with the anger so th- to separate them it would be yeah, it's very hard but what you said like I can remember just times in my own life of having this something internally in me that wanted to get out of me, but then having these outside voices be like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You won't be able to do that. And so then I begin to doubt myself. I begin to doubt like God's call in my life. And then I'm just living this place of depression of like, mm-hmm. oh, but it, man, the drive was always there. And so I think, you know, in our stories, we got to be honest about what God has called us to, what we're angry about so we can go and we got to place people in our lives that can push us towards that. And these, again, these feelings aren't just to be meant to have solo. They're meant to be done with other people in relationship with other people mm-hmm. so that people can pull them out of us and help us with that. Well, and, and you said, maybe not inadvertently, Duke, you, you said something that has wide application. And you said you put yourself out there. If you... You know, yourself as a compound word, but if you divide the word, that's what you're actually doing in anger, putting your identity, yourself out there vulnerably, what you and Todd have been talking about here recently. So that that's that's a really important I'm glad Todd put that in there because you and then you you intuitively said something true in both ways. Put yourself out there and put yourself out there in vulnerability, going after something. It's very vulnerable. Yeah. And I've, I've, uh, I've heard you guys mention healthy anger, and that's a way of just caveating. Hey, we're not talking about rage. We're talking about healthy anger. This is passion. Uh, where do we see that in the scriptures? Uh, you think of some examples where um, maybe we see an example of healthy anger that's not sinful at all, but maybe for somebody who doesn't know the difference between anger and rage, they might have it confused. Mm-hmm. Well, there, uh, the most famous one, you know, is mentioned all the time, the cleansing of the temple. That's, you know, the most noticeable one. There are many other places in Scripture where we see Jesus being angry. Uh, One of the maybe kind of understated ones in Mark 3 where he goes into the synagogue and there's a man in there with a withered hand. There's strong allusion to the fact this guy was a plant. He was planted there to trap Jesus, and Jesus knew what they were up to. It says he looked around in anger and sadness. He he had feelings about it. He cared about that man and cared about the big picture uh, as well. And so Jesus displaying anger there. The, the scripture literally says he felt angry. And Paul shows up um, in Galatia, and Peter is acting one way with the Gentiles, and Jews aren't around. When the Jews come to town, he acts a completely different way. And Paul moved toward Peter in relationship and said, Peter, no, this is not how we're doing this. So there we look, we start reading scripture through an emotional lens. We see a lot of examples in the claims of the temple and and the man with the withered hand, and Jesus having this anger in him that says, no, I care about these things, and I'm going to make movement toward and put myself out there yeah. uh, to show that. I love that Paul example in Galatia. I mean, this idea of, he said, you're not living in line with the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul was so committed to the gospel that anything that was going to confuse it 
was going to tarnish it and was going to create division and a lack of unity mm-hmm. uh, between Jew and Gentile or whatever it was. He's like, I'm going to go after that. Yes. And the gospel is too important for me to be passive. Yes. I've got I've got to go and rebuke him because he did it publicly. I got to rebuke him uh-huh. publicly. I got to make sure everybody knows the gospel is actually this, yes. um, not the way he's distorting it at this point. And he even looks and goes, "Man, you, you're even leading Barnabas astray. Like this is a good man. He's solid." And we can talk about codependency on, on a later podcast, but he he's confronting Peter about his codependency. Like you're 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 living in two different ways. You're living in a duplicitous way, and it's it's affecting other people. So Paul had movement toward Peter relationally and lots of clarity. This is what's happening, and these are the ramifications, and I want this to stop. Yeah, there's a, there's almost a tipping point, I feel like, with, with energy. It's like, is it worth it enough for me to take action or not? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the fence deciding, am I going to confront Peter or not confront Peter? And he runs that math and goes, no, 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 the gospel's way too important. Mm-hmm. I'm getting off the couch, and I'm going to go in, and I'm going to tell him, mm-hmm. hey, this this is not okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a lot of, a lot of healthy mm-hmm. anger. It's constructive. Uh, yeah, that's a great, great illustration. Uh, yeah, that's really helpful. Uh, what happens when we live in a community? Let's say we have a family that understands healthy anger or a church, which is an extended kind of family system. Uh, what, what does it feel like to be in a community that knows how to deal with anger? And 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 in one another, and and to receive others as they're angry, um, yeah. What does it look and feel like to be in that community? I can give and Todd. I know you're weighing on this too. It happened yesterday with with you you two guys, three guys that were here yesterday, beautifully. But Todd and I talked about it, and when we uh, kind of hanging out in the, in the evening, like there was something that was communicated, and before we even started, um, you and Nathan, basically Eden Project looked at 10 men and said, let's make sure we're real clear on some things. What do we, is there something we need to own in our relationship with each other? As brothers who love one another and two organizations that are after the same thing, knowledge of God, knowledge of, knowledge of self. So you, you three men beautifully demonstrated that to me and Todd just 24 hours ago when you said, let's move into this as brothers Let's let's get clarity around what what needs to be said to one another before we go any further with this. That's a great example of how we are the body together. We are in ministry together in partnership, and and we are brothers in Christ. And so you three honored the relationship we all have. Todd and I wasn't weren't really aware of it that depth. You brought it here and said, "Let's put this out here in anger. Let's put this out here." And deal with it as not in not uh, so we can move forward, but as we move forward, let's make sure we're doing this. Okay, you three did that beautifully. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's helpful. So, you're saying a, a community of anger, healthy anger, doesn't have as much unaddressed elephants in the room. Mm-hmm. There's like, let's have the conversation. Let's get underneath the unspoken. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure that we're not making assumptions or we're not li- letting sweeping things under the rug or something in relationship, but we're going after our unity earnestly. We're trying to really live and work together. Martin Luther said that uh, pure theology is calling a thing what it actually is. And I love that quote. It's anger. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Yeah, what would you say as well, Todd, just about what does it feel like to be in a healthy family or community that knows how to process that and knows how to live into anger and maybe even encourage it in other people, encourage passion, um, call things out in people that seem to be forming in their vocation or their gifts or something like that? I think he's just speaking the truth in love. And uh, you see Jesus do that all the time. Like he saw something 
it says all the time, over and over, Jesus had compassion. He had compassion. You know, it's with passion, right? So that's what we're talking about. So angry people having a lot of compassion to call what they see, what they see. It's black or it's white. So let's just call that out of people. And to live in honest community around that, it's really, really scary. Like, it's scary in my home. Like, I'm raising two little kids, a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old, and we're like— what this house will stand on is we will be an angry home that's willing to tell the truth to one another and confront what we see and not hide uh, hide behind things. Because, again, you know, with you at lunch and uh, with Nathan at lunch and Phil, we're, we're talking. We lived in homes that we weren't able to actually say what we saw. And so we had to live in denial. We had to live with depressing what we saw. Um, but, again, we all come from things and homes that we saw a lot and couldn't give voice to what we saw, and that's that's really damaging, yeah. really damaging. Yeah, I love that. Um, you, we talk about our kids. We talk about them finding their way. You know, they're discovering their gifts in a way. As we're watching them grow up, we're kind of discovering things about them as well. I think of you know a parent who has anger for their kid to discover their kid's internal anger. It's like I have passion to make sure my daughters each discover the thing they're made to do in the world and to almost, if they're diminishing it or they're saying, oh, I don't know if I'm really that good at that. I don't know. Uh, it's like, no, no, no. Like, let's fan that up into flame and don't let, don't tamp yourself down. Like, I want to call you into, speak into you. And there's almost like that, um, that sage Mr. Miyagi, like, I see more in you than you see in you. And I'm going to have more healthy anger for what you're made to do than you have right now. But I'm inviting you into that thing that is vulnerable, That's so true. that thing that requires some courage to just name, name out loud mm-hmm. and to begin to take real steps towards, mm-hmm. uh, towards doing mm-hmm. uh, in the world. And so, I mean, I hope, I hope we're doing that in our families and I hope we're doing that in our churches, right? You're going around and you're seeing someone who's kind of on the sideline who probably has a lot more to give, but they haven't been given permission. Maybe it's been unsafe in other communities or environments, maybe their family of origin to really step out there. Maybe failure was crushing. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't do it per- perfect, it's, it's de- devastating. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to play it safe, hang on the wall, mm-hmm. and not take steps to, mm-hmm. to actually be who I'm made to be in our church, our family, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, any, any other thoughts on anger? Things that you think, man, this is, a, this is something I repetitively see. Either it's confusing for people or this needs to be highlighted as people are getting more acquainted with their own anger or the anger in the community that's constructive. I would say um, the word you started it. Uh, Duke, the podcast with, with kind of referring to how even that word anger has so many things attached to it that aren't true, that aren't accurate. And so we and we've got, you know, more more podcasts to do and several down the list is this feeling called fear that we'll talk about rage, which is what a lot of people think anger is. But one of the maybe a principle, a couple of principles uh, as, we, as we're talking about anger, we have for years in the treatment center that Chip Dodd created back in 1996, and that I worked with him for many years in. Um, we used to tell the guys in treatment around these feelings that if you will identify the feeling out loud, if you will explore what the feeling is about, not as much as why you're feeling it, but what it's about, and then express that to safe people or a safe person, that's what we mean by deal with your anger. That means identify that it's anger. I'm after something. Explore what it's about what I'm after, what it's attached to, what it's associated with, and then express that out loud with voice, which is kind of one of the neat major needs. It gets 
uh, revealed by feeling anger. Like I need, I need expression of this, which is that vulnerability piece that, that you and Todd talked about at length a few minutes ago. So I would say that for one thing is like, remember that all of these feelings, it's identifying what it is, but then moving forward into the exploration and then even more vulnerably into the expression of it to go back to what Todd said. It's that expression part of that, that where the vulnerability of the rubber really meets the road, which is what makes this one the most vulnerable. So I'm putting myself out there and you may do something with myself that's going to be painful. So we spent some time defining anger. We've talked about the difference between anger and rage. Let's talk a little bit about what happens with someone who will not really adequately acknowledge their anger. So it's there, but they won't look at it or they won't tell the truth about it. What starts to happen in a person who has an impairment around their anger and, and isn't dealing honestly with it? Well, we, if you think about what Todd said earlier about, about movement, like the anger says, I'm moving towards something. I want something. I want something then the impairment of that, like if I don't deal with my anger well, I will depress my caring. That's called depression. I will, I will make sure that I am isolated emotionally, that I'm keeping it at a low grade because I don't want any of that desire for clarity and movement. I don't want anyone seeing that I care or what I care about. So I'm going to move into my isolated place uh, called depression, when I'm depressing that passion, zeal, desire, yearning, reaching, those kinds of things. It's the, it, 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 Todd said movement, and this is stopping and saying, I'm stopping. I'm, I'm going to depress any caring whatsoever. I'm not going to be that vulnerable. Okay. As you said that, I don't know why. For the first time, I started thinking about maybe countries that are under sig- significant oppression, like from a dictator, mm-hmm. and you just you can't own property you can't start a business you can't take action with life and that mm-hmm. you could have an entire country that's yes. depressed oh, yes. because there is no outlet right. for for their vision their passion the thing they want to do in the world it's just mm-hmm. can't you know tamp down or, or maybe like a concentration camp or some yes. or even a, certainly a prison right if, mm-hmm. if there's no outlet uh, there's a collective experience of everybody there is depressed they can't mm-hmm. actually express mm-hmm. what they want um, yeah, maybe Todd, you could speak about isolation. If let's say we we stay in that depressed state, not feeling our anger, not telling the truth about it, not dealing honestly with it for an extended period of time in isolation, like what starts to happen in a person over maybe maybe it's many years of not dealing with healthy anger. I think there's two sides of this coin. So, and I'll share one side, and I'll let Phil share the other side. It's self will or riot. So it's when I am going to really be destructive in my life to get what I want. So. In the rooms of AA, they will say, I want what I want when I want it, and I'm going to get it at all costs. And so it will look like it's a, a driven towards something, but it's destructive in the way. It's not constructive in the way. As when we said, you know, passion is constructive. I'm, ma- I'm blazing a trail to get what I want. Okay. And, and then there's just, just pieces and people and just shards of people around me. Uh, at all costs uh, for that place of fulfillment. Okay. So, so uh, integrity goes out the window. Uh, character. I, if I want money, I'm going to steal, lie, cheat, and steal. I'll find out a way to get to it. It won't necessarily be the constructive path that's good and right. It'll be a backdoor mm. shortcut, right. lacking integrity, not concerned with others relationally. They'll have no relationship in it at all of any sort. There will be no relationship. Other than I'm going to use you to get what I want, but it's it's not a collaborative relationship. It be, then becomes a transactional relationship, but not a true vulnerability of me bringing me to you through my anger to say, help me get to this. 
I'm going to use you to get to this. For, porn is one of those places. So my anger took me to porn. I was going to get what I wanted when I wanted, and the, the person on the screen was just a means to an end uh, for me. But it sure. wasn't actually to do anything relationally with anyone. It was to fulfill something that was lacking in me, which was the place of depression of, man, my life, I can't actually do what I want to do, so I'm going to find other places to do what I want to do to find the fulfillment that I can't actually go do. Okay. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking passion. Maybe you take people with you towards a cause in a constructive and relational way, and the isolated is like it's totally self, mm-hmm. self-driven, self self-will, without regard for relationship or anyone that's else. Right. There's no one else with you other than the instruments that you use right. for self. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, how would you nuance that? Because I, I think self-will run riot, that's an AA statement. Mm-hmm. I've heard it for many years. I haven't always mm-hmm. been able to immediately grab it and understand what it means, but Phil, how would you nuance even even what Todd said about self-will as it relates to anger and being impaired? Yeah, Todd covered, you know, how the the you would just you could call it the aggressive side of that. Like people who will not deal with healthy, clear anger do what Todd described and the other side of that is the passive side. Uh, and that was more of kind of was my MO when I was in my own depression. I, I became frozen in the isolation of self will run riot by refusal. I'm not going to show up. I'm not going to be vulnerable. I'm going to be in this house, literally with the shades drawn. Even when I'm outside this physical house, my shades are still going to be drawn. I'm not going to show up and really participate with my heart and soul and mind in this. I'm not going to be vulnerable. So no one can make me care. No one can make me reveal what I'm really after. No one can make me. So that's the that's the language of self will run right is no one can make me. Okay. All right. That's and, and there's the aggressive, so to speak, side of it that Todd was talking about, and there's the passive side of that. But both are saying the same thing. Self will run riot is the classically an AA, but for whomever the person who's stuck in depression so long, it moves into this territory of you can't make me. And that's what's so dogged about depression. Think about if, if people watching and listening, us here, if, if you've ever tried to talk someone who's depressed out of being depressed, it's not happening because self will run riot. You can't make me show up. Hmm. Right? I will not. Yeah. And so that self will becomes hardened and the person becomes in utter isolation. That's another category here later on. But they become so isolated they alone call the shots by destructively disintegrating everything in their path, like Todd's talking about, or shutting the doors and windows emotionally or literally and saying, you can't make me do that. Okay. Yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking a little bit of like, I'll take my ball and go home, mm-hmm. and I'm not playing with y'all. I'm not doing this with y'all anymore. You can't make me. I'm out relationally. I'm not yes. doing anything. Uh, so, yeah, that's helpful. Those are really helpful distinctions when we think about anger. Um I love the language of gift. It's a gift that God gave us. It's something that lets us know what we should be moving towards, that we have a telos. We have purpose. We have vocation. We have meaning. There's things to do in the world that matter. There are people that matter. We should have anger for. Uh, and God's saying, hey, get out of the bed and go and go after it. You know, Go pursue things that matter. Help contribute uh, with your gifts in the world that matter. And so, uh, yeah, I hope in listening to this episode, you guys are, are getting clarity around anger, even healthy expressions of anger. Uh, and maybe even a little bit of caution around what happens if we won't deal honestly with it. Uh, it's, I don't want to be depressed, right? I don't want people around me to be depressed and not able to express what God's made them to do and, and the gifts in the world. So, uh, yeah, this has been very helpful. Thank you guys for, for this and this uh, contribution. Yeah, thanks, you. Thanks for listening to the Ever Present Podcast. If this resource has been helpful to you, 
we would ask that you share it with your friends. Leave a comment on the podcast platform and help get this resource into the hands of other people. If you want to reach out to us, you can always email us at podcast at edenteam.org. And now as you go throughout the rest of your day, just remember that God's posture toward you is strong, persistent, and positive. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.